Welcome to the Fallon Forum, where we bring you independent voices and civil dialogue across the political divide. Uh, Mid Fallon, I'm your host, and we are coming to you from the cultural and culinary crossroads of America, and that would be Des Moines, Iowa. Good guess. If you value what we do, we could sure use your support. Visit the donations page on the Fallon Forum website, or if you run a small business or a nonprofit, consider becoming a sponsor. And speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Gateway also has excellent catering and floral services. That's Gateway Market and Cafe. Thanks also to Western Optometry, located in Des Moines' East Village. Dr. Joel Western and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open from Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry. And yeah, happy St. Patrick's Day week. On that note, you know, thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for providing our bumper music. So what's up this week? Well, we will talk about Ireland. How could we not? I'll talk about my close encounters with fairies. Yeah, they're, they're not as friendly as you might think. We'll also talk about how the uh, residents of Leitrim County in the Midlands of Ireland defeated an effort to allow fracking in their community. But first, Iowa State Senator Brad Zahn joins me in the studio. He's a state senator here in Iowa. Brad, welcome to the program. It is an honor to be here. Oh, good. I'm glad you were able to join us. Uh, we're actually pre-recording the show at like 7 in the morning. <laughs> so Brad can get to his day job. So Brad, the Capitol, you are a Republican. Um, you're in the majority, the biggest majority, I think, that the state house has ever seen. I've been told it's been many decades. Uh, and that means you have to work harder than ever. Well, it is, you know, definitely... There's a lot of responsibility that comes with it, and uh, a lot of new people down there. I mean, yeah. it's the the capital has been replaced with a third new people, both in the House and the Senate. Mm. So, uh, getting to know different people, and mm -hmm. uh, it's just such a huge honor to be down there. Thanks. And it's good to be with you. Yeah, yeah. as the listeners might not know, we used to serve together. <laughs> we did, yes. And uh, we go way, way back before that when I had my old hardware store in Irvingdale. Right, right. And uh, we had some things we worked on back in those days. We were on the same page when it came to supporting local businesses and uh, revitalizing Main Streets. Right. That's so, kind of what we did around yeah. that hardware store, the old part of Urbandale. So. I remember a photograph of you uh, holding a buy local poster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. I had those all over my store. So so there's a lot I'd like to talk about, and yep. you've you probably got some things on your mind as well. But let's start with eminent domain. That's mm -hmm. um, That was a big issue when I was up there. In fact, um, it was a nonpartisan issue, so much so that Republicans let me, a Democrat, floor manage a significant eminent domain bill. Mm -hmm. And that, that never happens, or rarely happens. I mean, there, uh, there probably most Democrats in the minority never got to floor manage a bill. I was honored to be able to floor manage one. And uh, it was bipartisan. Mm -hmm. I mean, my very last vote as a legislator was to come back into special session and join mm -hmm. Democrats and Republicans in voting to override Governor Vilsack's veto right. of an eminent domain bill. Right. That was a kilo decision. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. And But now it just seems like, why, why is it so hard to pass legislation that would protect farmers and landowners from a new round of attack on the right to own and control your own property? Right. Well, I'm gonna, I've said this publicly. I side with the 
landowners on this particular issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think any private company should have the ability to use eminent domain. Um, you know, this bill, I would, you know, there's different bills out there. The House has got a bill. The Senate has a bill. I know that the House is still alive, the bill that's over there. Um, one, the only really concern that I have is to make sure there's there's not just the carbon pipelines. There's water lines, there's sewer lines, there's different lines out there. Uh, but with that said, um, I think something's going to get done. I really do. Okay. Uh, I don't know exactly what that end product is. I, it's not been in the committees that I serve in or that I chair, such as judiciary. So, um, you know, it, I think we'll get this resolved. Uh, it is wrong that we would allow a business to come in and get the powers of eminent domain. And, and I was with you when we back there with the Kilo decision. Yeah. Uh, we were reacting to what happened on the East Coast. That was an injustice to those people out yeah. of the East Coast. And and I'm always going to stand with the private, you know, private property owners. But when you made you made the point of uh, water lines and sewer lines, and those are public amenities. Correct. And that's Correct. that's a there's a it's a huge difference between that and a privately owned pipeline that basically just ships one product from Iowa to someplace in either Illinois or North Dakota, depending on which pipeline we're talking about. Well, the only reason why I say that is because I was told that the the bill that was in the Senate really didn't identify, separate the differences is what I'm saying. So is that why the Senate's legislation never made it out of committee? I, 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 listen, I'm not on, I don't know if that was in state government or Mm. or I, I don't remember what committee it was, which I'm not on. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I can just tell you that it is something that I'm sure that we're going to continue this conversation. Listen, the people that are affected, mostly the northern part of the state of Iowa, I don't have any carbon pipelines coming through the district that I represent. Well, we have some coming through Polk County. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Carbon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. about, about, I think about 12 miles in the northeast okay. corner of Polk County. Okay, well, anyway, I don't represent in those areas, so I haven't heard from any of my constituents. With that said... We need to have this conversation, and we need to protect right. property rights. Well, that, that's encouraging that even though you don't have a specific constituent issue relevant to this, you're still concerned about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the people that have been coming down the Capitol, and I've talked to literally dozens of people that are affected mm-hmm. by this, and, and uh, I, I've always, always kind of told it's up around the northern part yeah. of the state of Iowa. Well, the, the biggest chunk of it is, yeah. but it comes all the way down through uh, through Polk County all the way down to southeast Iowa. There's right. a third one that takes in parts of Lynn and I think Cedar and Scott County out that way. Yeah, yeah, what's very frustrating to me is, you know, we had the ethanol bill last year um, that, you know, of course all the ethanol uh, companies that are out there are saying, if we don't pass this ethanol bill, uh, that we're going to have we're gonna go out of business. Well, now they're coming back and saying, if we don't pass the pipeline bill, Personally, I'm just getting sick and tired of all these businesses that are dependent on government money. I don't care if it's ethanol business or the wind or solar or whatever that is. I mean, I think every business should stand up on its own two feet. Yeah, I, I think government might play a role in helping to incent good behavior at the outset of a, of a new effort. Mm-hmm. But this isn't one of them. You know, yeah, this, this is, this is like, not one of them. Like, but the things I'm talking about is mostly on the federal level. Yeah. So. Well, there's a huge amount of tax money coming from the in- Inflation Reduction Act and then the 45Q tax credits. That that's the only reason these companies are talking about building yeah. this. Yeah. So, so anyway, but, but so but I, I guess I'm. It's confusing to me, and I think a lot of our listeners too, as to why this is even uh, a hard thing to accomplish. I mean, you've got again in, historically. 
the vast majority of both Democrats and Republicans at the state house supported significant changes on eminent domain to protect landowners. Right. Why is this that difficult? Well, the only thing I would say is this. This ethanol business is obviously going to be the beneficiary of these carbon pipelines uh, and some of the investors there. But, you know, the one thing I do know is this becomes kind of like what you, when you were down there. This becomes more of an urban versus rural thing where there's a lot of people in agriculture and I fully support what they're, you know, what they're, there's some good family-owned business, uh, businesses out there that are farming, that are growing the crops. But with that said, it, let's just put the cards on the table here. I mean, you know, the ethanol business has driven up the price of their commodity of their corn and soybeans. And so I think there's some people in the agriculture background, you know, in the Senate that are saying, hey, listen, we, can, we don't want to hurt the ethanol business because it's going to drop the price of our corn. So but that's there's, a, but there's a lot of farmers saying we, 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 we grow corn, we, right. we depend on ethanol, but we don't want this. We well, don't right. think our I land look at, should be taken. Yeah, look at the Farm Bureau. The Farm Bureau is against what these uh, this carbon pipelines. I mean, they're trying to protect property rights, right. which they should. Well, and, and your, your colleague, Senator Goose from, uh, from uh, North Central Iowa, farmer, yeah. uh, investor in yeah. ethanol, very much against the yeah, uh, against the use of eminent domain yeah. to build these pipelines. Yeah, he's he's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I'm just I'm baffled that it can't. Well, I, I okay. Let's again. Let's be totally candid about this. You've got Governor Reynolds who wants this. You've got former Governor Branstad who wants mm -hmm. wants to build these pipelines mm -hmm. and wants to use eminent domain to do that. Mm -hmm. And you got one of the biggest Republican donors in the state, Bruce Rastetter, mm -hmm. who's with one of the three companies. Mm -hmm. That's probably the only. That's probably the main obstacle. Correct. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on. Oh, okay. All right. Say, okay. I'm only going to tell you what, what I'm hearing from the people yeah. that are actually in agriculture. Yeah. I'm going to say again, I, I wanna, I'm on the side of protecting the property right. rights. Well, let's hope that we can get something done. At least uh, something has moved through the House. Yeah. That's a start. So, I really think something will get good. done. Good. Good. And, uh, you know, it's all, again, people, if you have thoughts on this, opinions, ideas, it does not hurt at all to repeatedly, you know, talk with your state senator yeah. and your state representative about it. So, um, you know, one more thing about the pipelines. I am shocked that Democrats didn't jump all over this at the very beginning and say, oh, look, Republicans are wanting to build these pipelines. We're going to stand with the people. Yeah. I mean, this to me is one reason why Democrats are the minority party and might be for a long time in, into the future. They haven't figured out some basic things about how to stand with the average person. Right. And I would <laughs> say know, that I the Republicans that. will be in the minority if they don't get this right. Really? I mean, I, I think this is a big issue so with it, a lot of people. And I'm talking about property rights. So if Republicans don't pass a decent eminent domain bill that protects landowners from these pipelines, you think that might be enough to end them up in the minority? No, 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 no. I'm, I, I'm okay. miscommunicated. I, you know, if they don't protect property rights, which is to me a sound fundamental right of ours as, as, as Iowans, as Americans, uh, I think that they'd be on the road to getting into the minority. Not I right. mean, we've got a supermajority right now. Yeah. It's going <laughs> you know, to be years <laughs> before we would get down. But this right. is an issue that is really okay. important. And I think, I don't know where it polls at. And we don't make decisions based on polling. But with that said, this has got to be a very high issue mm. for people that want us to protect property rights. That's just my opinion. Well, according to Speaker of the House, Pat Grassley, he's never heard from 
so many people on any one particular issue. Yeah. And so, I do get a lot of emails on this. I checked my emails this morning. And I got more and, this morning. And again, so. you have no constituents uh, yeah. in your but district. It, but yeah. still, it is a property. I mean, wh wh where are right. we going to draw the line then? Yeah. You know, so. so let me ask you this. I mean, here, here you are, uh, member of the a majority party member. Mm -hmm. And I know from my 14 years up there that majority party members were way busier than minority party members. Absolutely. You got more committees. Yep. You got you got a chair bills. You've got a your chair committees. You got a floor managed bills. Right. I mean, I floor managed one bill. That was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. you, how many floor bill? How many bills are you floor managing this year? Uh, a lot. Well, this year, I haven't really done a lot because I sit in the president's chair a lot of the time. Okay, sure. Which um, is also a bunch of work. Yeah, but I can tell you that uh, you know. It, let me just tell you. I always said this. I was in the minority for 10 years. Mm. Um, the biggest stress that I had every day when I went down the Capitol, we joked about this, and this is a joke, everybody, is where we're going <laughs> to eat lunch at that day. Because the, mi the minority, you just don't get a lot. But I learned a lesson being in the minority. Uh -huh. As a judiciary chair, um, I have ran and let Democrats run bills uh, if it's a great idea, we do it. I've been working with Nate Bolton. I've been working with Isaiah Knox. I mean, we have done bills for Eric Giddens through committee. Um, mm. If it's a good idea, we do it. I do it a little different, only probably because I was in the minority for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. You and, know what, yeah. and so anyway, um, I operate differently as, yeah. a, as a chair. And, and I, I got to beat there. I was in, in, in the minority for my entire 14 years. Oh, my gosh. So the Democrats yeah. had the majority the year I got in. Yeah. And the year I got out, they got it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. does God hate me, Brad? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Now, anyway. It's all um, timing. Everything's cyclical. You know that. So, so. yeah. Well, here's, here's my, my, my one point about this is that I can't get even a response to a message from either the minority, the minority leader in the Senate, Zach Walls, or the minority leader in the House. Really? They won't even they won't even respond to questions from me. And here you are, you know, a majority party member, busy up to your neck, and you're willing to come on this program. Well, I love you. I've always <laughs> respected you. Yeah. You and I found areas that we didn't agree on. And then when we agreed on things, we worked together. And so, I think that that's what needs so to be So apparently the more. Democratic leadership doesn't love me. Well, listen, I don't know about that. I like Zach Walls a lot. I like Jennifer a lot. Uh, I talk to Zach a lot, obviously, in the Senate. But that's, uh, my, that's, my, that seems to be, that's an observation I have about Democrats generally. They really don't want to deal with people that they don't want to deal with. They just, they just don't even want to talk to you. Well, you and I have always kind of been a little bit more independent and tell it the way it is. Mm -hmm. And you get a little bit of trouble that if you don't play the game that so you're supposed you. to play. And I don't care. You know, I just, it, you know, my job is to represent the people that uh, that I do. And I try to do the best job I can. So let's talk about some stuff we don't agree on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I should ask you first, one more thing we might agree on. I want okay. to know where you stand okay. on this. Uh, this proposal uh, by Debbie Durham, the uh, head of the Economic Development Authority. Okay to uh, allow foreign corporations to own up to 1,000 contiguous acres of farmland to attract foreign businesses to Iowa. You I were shaking your 100 head. I 100% disagree with that. I okay. think we should pr protect. I, I think Americans or Iowans need to own American land well, and Iowan land. Dan, we're two for two so far. And yeah. I totally agree with you. Let's see if we can um, like a, a lower our batting average a little okay. bit here. So <laughs> social issues, it seems to me, and a lot of people, that the Republican Party at the State House is just obsessed with social issues. Um, I mean, taking all sorts of shots at trans people, um, banning books, uh, 
And there's more, but let's start with those. I mean, okay. well, first of all, let's go with the books. Okay, okay let's go with the books. Uh, the books, we haven't done anything in the Senate so far. Uh, I kind of got in a little bit of trouble about this uh, a <laughs> year ago when I started talking <laughs> about that. I have seen and read some of the books that they're teaching our kids. The bill that's being offered is allowing parents to opt, opt in if they want, if they find these books appropriate. Um, and that's the latest version that it was. You know, the, we're not putting any teachers in jail. I really made a mistake on that. Just I was a little fired up one meeting, and I said, you know, if you teach this inappropriate material to our kids, uh, uh, and I said that, and I shouldn't have said that, because we got the best teachers in the United States here in Iowa. And I'm, full disclosure, married to a former Des Moines public schools teacher. So am I. And when I got <laughs> home, she chewed me out about that. She's like, what are you doing? But with that said, you know, there's, 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 there's some books that are out there that I really think crosses the line uh, in regards to some sexual, uh, um, s sexual material as well as, you know, have a relationship. Or I, I'm not going to go into all the, the – if anybody has a question – Please send me an email, and I will send you the link of where mm -hmm. I think there's some questionable material. I, as we talked beforehand, I'm a small business person here. Uh, we have got so many, you know, employees that can't measure, that can't do math, can't really. Some of them really are not very good with their writing skills, mm -hmm. and so I just kind of want our schools to more concentrate on that, um, and then let parents decide if they find these materials acceptable. And that's basically what the book deal is. Uh, in re regards to the shared bathrooms, um, I can just tell you that I, I had someone that reached out to me from a, a smaller community um, between Iowa City and Des Moines. I don't want to say what, what it is, but where their daughter is on the swim team. And uh, what happens is there's a boy that, that he identifies as a female, and all the girls, of course, have to get done with the swim meet. They want to take a shower. They all take a shower in their swimsuits, and this this young man, this is high school, is running around without any clothes on. I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do. I don't understand why this is so controversial. Where there's easy, there's an easy way to solve this problem. I go have breakfast at the Hy-Vee on on Valley West Mall, right there. Go to the bathroom there. There's individual bathrooms with a lock on it for you know. Didn't matter what you know what sex you are. So um, in regards to, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the, that, the, that's the other bill. But listen, as Judiciary Chair, um, I can tell you that I have been very sympathetic to, and you could just ask one Iowa in regards to some of the bills that have come forward. Um, I think we have to have some common sense here. But, you know, I do think that we need to protect children. And, uh, and that's kind of what, that's where I'm at. I know we don't agree on this, but I that just give you a background yeah. of why well, I make the decision. I, 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 I appreciate knowing the background. It just seems to me like a non-issue. Uh, and there's so many, so many really critical things we've got to be working on, uh, economic stuff. Um, uh, water quality. Gosh, can we do something about water quality in this state? Well, we're working you know? on something there. Really? Uh, as you know, that the okay. property tax bill that just was passed, including I will, um, that we just voted on on Ways and Means, uh, which we would have to dedicate a certain amount of money for uh, clean water and some of the recreational um, opportunities that are out there. Uh, so we're going to continue that conversation. You know, the nutrient reduction strategy was a great idea, except we weren't putting enough money in it. Yeah, uh, that's there's a, a big lot. Yeah. There's a lot of farmers that are really trying to do good, some good things. And, and but is voluntary ever going to work completely? I mean, you've got farmers doing great stuff, putting in 
grass waterways when they need it, uh, terracing when it's a uh, you know sloped land, and and uh, and try to do a better job at making sure that that soil is not running down into the Gulf of Mexico and killing the shrimp industry. But you've got a plenty of plenty of farmers who aren't doing anything. Well, and voluntary is not working in but that then, case. I, and, and I would agree with you. Obviously, we talked about this earlier. You put a little money in it, you know, things change the way you talked about behavior. Hmm. Um, and I, I think it's going to come down to being able to, and we don't know where we're at on this. I don't know hmm. what the House is going to do. Uh, quite frankly, I'm busy with the Judiciary Committee. Sure. So, But I, I will is still alive, I would just say. You know, of course, it's always going to be alive. Because that's a tax policy, and it's something that's funnel-proof. Yeah. All right. Well, the um, I, I really hope something can happen on that. There was an interesting experience. Um, oh, let's see, five years ago now. I, you know, you know me. I like to walk. Huh? Like, like, oh yeah, you like do walk long distances, yeah, like three thousand miles at a pop. Yep. Well, this is a short walk. It was from Eastern Iowa to Des Moines, eighty-five okay. miles. Okay. And it was with a group of still um, a long ways. It's still a long ways. It was with a group of Native Americans. Yeah. It was a mixed, you know, a mixed uh, bunch of people from different backgrounds, and um, and uh, Tiger Swan, who was the security firm hired by the Dakota Access Pipeline, put out an attack video on us, and it was horrible. It made us seem like monsters. And people locally saw that, and they were terrified of us. They thought, well, you know, they, they were they were scared of native they were scared of Native Americans first of all, you know. That's ridiculous. And they they thought we were going to be dumping our sewage in the in the uh, in the uh, in the, uh, in the roadside. They thought we were going to be burning flags. And we got to our first campsite in Montezuma, and so in uh, sorry in, in in Deep River, and there was a Confederate flag hanging up there to greet us. Uh, we thought we heard. That's, that's, we thought we heard gunshots that night. That is absolutely disgusting. well. It, it was, but it, but it, this is the security firm hired by the Dakota Access Pipeline, who the state authorized yeah. to use eminent domain to take people's land yeah. to build their their yeah. pipeline, yeah. and and they they I mean they, it was horrible. And I'm yet, sorry that you well, and yet um, the the adjacent property owner to the park where we camped in Deep River came by the next morning and he apologized. Yeah. So you know, we all went to bed like at eight thirty. Right. We we just yeah. walked fifteen miles. Yeah, you know? right. We were tired, right. um, and he apologized, and we and, the, and I invited him and his wife and other people in the town yeah. to come to our next camp and join us yeah. for dinner, and they did, and we had a great oh, conversation. Good. And then he started spreading the word, "Hey, these are good people. They're doing good work." And he's very conservative, very you know, a Republican voter, probably more conservative than you, even maybe. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but he's concerned about know. water quality. Yeah, and so we had a good conversation about that, and agreed that we need to do some things on that. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm glad you guys are working on that because it's it's a concern statewide, mm -hmm. it's a concern nationwide. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of our affiliate stations that run this program is in New Orleans, oh, and okay. we're we're dumping all of our junk right in the river that's right. affecting them, yeah. and yeah. and that's not fair. Yeah. It's not right, and it's not yeah. good for our environment. Well, you know, it takes everybody to fix that problem. I mean, it's not just Iowa that's yeah. dumping in the nitrogens. Well, we're one of the worst, though. You know, I did hear, <laughs> I did hear, and I'm not trying to change subject, but I did hear something on the news yesterday where they're actually putting nitrogen on the seed itself. On the seed? On the seed itself. Now, I don't know if you, Why I don't know that? a lot about that. No, but I'm just saying, you know, you're not spreading the Oh, I see. Direct you know, application to right. the uh, And, you know, John Deere, my dad used to work at John Deere. 
Uh, he was someone that did in, uh, has a patent on the new high cycle four wheel uh, sprayer, where they could turn those nozzles in uh, on and off. You know when they're spraying uh, mm. down their different chemicals and that kind of stuff. So they are trying to make some differences. Anyway, I'm changing the subject. But <laughs> no, well, I, that's we're all about changing the subject here. Yeah, no, I'm uh, not really trying to divert. <laughs> so all right, let me change the subject again, yeah. Brad. You've introduced a bill to reinstate the death penalty. Brad, yes. why do you want to kill people? I don't want to kill people. I'm not a big uh, death penalty advocate. Uh, I did this based on the case that happened up in uh, Waterloo. I did what really prompted me recently that's given me more energy to do this is I got an email from the, one of the family that was actually the aunt of Jet Set Engage uh, that told me what they're doing, these two disgusting pukes brothers that did this to this young girl. I don't know if, if your viewers know or your listeners know that this girl was brutally raped over a week. Uh, and then what they did is they killed her. After, uh, um, and so, so what, here's the reason why. is because there's no incentive. So they basically what they did, and this is what they're bragging about in prison, is that they were allowed to kill off their potential witness and there was no higher penalty. Currently, right now, if you rape a child, you're in prison for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, if Which you rape, to me seems like a punishment worse than death. I, and, well, you know, that's, uh, yes. It's a matter yes of opinion, no. I Dep guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is that what happened is you rape and, and, and you rape a child, you, you obviously, I said earlier, you know, you are, you go to prison for right, life. If you rape and kill your potential witness, you go to prison for life. There's no stiffer penalty, and that's what I was trying to mm -hmm. Uh, and that's a reason why I filed the bill that I did. A lot of people are concerned, I think, that, that it just opens the door to expanding the death penalty and at, at a time when most of the country is moving away from that. Mm -hmm. And most of the world, uh, so-called developed world, is, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not even practiced anymore. Mm -hmm. It's also very expensive. I mean, you've got mm -hmm. the appeals process. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people are already in prison. I understand you know, that. I mean, you know, I like I said, they're not going to harm anybody else. It's I horrible. And, and let me tell you, as judiciary chair, I'm not interested and will not, as long as I'm judiciary chair, which who knows how long that'll be. Um, that I'm not interested in any kind of expansion. Um, like I said, I'm not a death penalty advocate, but in this particular situation, or uh, I am, I'm obviously supporting hmm. the the death penalty. Well, uh, anything else we should talk about before we wrap up, Brad? No, I mean, you know, I think the big thing, uh, you know, you talk about focus on some other issues, uh, this property tax thing here in Polk County, and we've got a good assessor. I'm not trying to beat on him, um, but we're going to get our assessment here in the next week. And we're told that it's going to be an 18 to 22% increase. That's a lot. Um, my grandmother lived at 1121 East Madison, and it got to the point where she couldn't afford. She was widowed on a fixed income, not a very expensive house or assessed house. And if it wasn't for her kids that were able to be able to write a check to help help her out to stay mm -hmm. on that property. Mm -hmm. And there's so many Iowans that are that way. You know, we just went through the campaigns. I door knocked a lot. And I'll tell you, probably 70% of the people that I door knocked talked about property taxes. Yeah. So we really need to have a conversations. But you have to keep it, you know, keep it, make sure that you consider that you know, we've got a lot of cities and counties that are out there that you know, if we do one thing, it'll raise the tax on the other thing. So um, this is something that needs to be solved. Mm. Um, as we're gonna have sticker shock once those new assessments come out. Um, to me, mostly I'm focused on people 
of lower income, fixed income, seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, you know, there's a proposal that I have that says that once you turn 65, uh, that uh, and you're in a house that's assessed at $350,000 or below, which seems like a lot, but you know, our assessments are going up and our valuations are going up, that you can't, all the, all the governmental entities have to freeze yeah. the taxes. Well, and I, I'm, not, I'm not in favor of, of an increase like that either. And I remember, too, that it wasn't that many years ago that the, uh, the, the Polk County governments and uh, with the approval of voters passed a, a sales tax increase, mm-hmm. um, supposedly helping to keep property taxes yep. down. So, uh, you, you know, know, I remember at the time saying, I don't think this is going to work. And no. it hasn't. I have you know. never seen any kind of an idea that's come up. Remember Prairie Meadows? Sure. It's going to lower our property taxes. Uh-huh, right. And it go, the list goes on and on where it's going to lower so, taxes, and it doesn't happen. So, But my, my question is, is, is it the appropriate role of the state to intervene in a local government decision on whether to raise or lower taxes? I mean, it seems like, you know, the Republican Party has kind of built itself as, you know, we, 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 like, we like local control, and yet it seems like on so many levels it's trying to take away local control or individual control, abortion, for example, or some of these other issues we've talked about, or in this case, property taxes. Okay. I mean, is, isn't that well, going, isn't that uh, government overreach? I don't really think it's, I don't really think it's a pro, well, there's certain, listen, um, there are certain governmental entities out there that I don't think do a very good job of watching out for the taxpayers. With that said. Congress? Oh, I think they're terrible. <laughs> I think they're terrible. I think both Republicans and Democrats in Congress do a terrible job. But you're thinking um, some local government. But I'm as talking well. about local, yeah. you know, our municipalities. I have an old mayor of Urbandale. You know what we did? We ran it like a business. We cut, 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 cut every chance we could without hurting the services that the, the core services that the people of Urbandale expected. Um, there just isn't a, enough people. I, my personal opinion is not enough business people that are running uh, in both, not only in the, you know, the, our local municipalities, but certainly everywhere in government. You think differently when you do that. And uh, so, you know, we're, it's not so much a problem with our, our local officials. It's, I think, a broken property tax system, the way we charge the, the people of Iowa for their properties that they own. I think it's broken, and I think we need to analyze it. And, well, that's uh, a big fix. I know. I mean, that's, that's what I'm that's talking al- about. That's almost as big a fix as restructuring state government, well, which I haven't studied that legislation very carefully. First of all, it's 1,500 pages. Right. I'm not inclined to. Actually, I, I, I have other ways to fall asleep. I have to say that I did read <laughs> you did well. Okay, online. You have to. I didn't kill a tree, but I did go through every page. It took me several days to do it, just just a little bit. And, you know, it's as you know, I mean, it's whenever you make a change like that, there's so much that goes into making changes. Right. Um, but anyway, going back to property taxes, I sure. think we'll get something done on that. Um, you know, I just don't know. I will have to warn everyone that's listening is this is going to be a long-term, long, this is not going to be solved overnight. This is mm-hmm. something we got to do. And we got to be careful about what we do. Yeah. One last question. Okay. Any preferences for presidential nominees? Well, um, today I am uh, going to meet with Governor DeSantis. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of people running. Uh, I just, right now, I haven't made a commitment one way or the other. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I, I won't even comment on that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we probably won't agree on any of that. No, so. but, uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, Joe Biden has an opponent. <laughs> he does? Marianne Williamson. 
Oh, I didn't know that. I don't yeah. even know who she is. So. Oh, she's a self-help author. Oh, okay. She probably read some of that. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying I could use that. So. Hey, uh, Brad's on with us, folks, here in the studio. And again, I've extended an invitation to all Iowa legislators to join us. Um, there's been two Republicans who've done that, and two Democrats, and nobody in the Democratic leadership, though. Of course, uh, we'll well, see. maybe that'll change. If that yeah. changes, I'll 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 be happy to uh, acknowledge that I was maybe a little bit impatient. But uh, so far, I've had uh, a total. Uh, Total sound of crickets coming from uh, from that camp. But um, anyway, thanks again. Well, I want Jenny. everybody to know I love this guy. <laughs> I love serving well, with we, you. We, we've we known each other a long time. Things, but we've worked together we on things. We disagree on things, or as I like to say, Brad, you can't be right all the time. And I love, <laughs> and I just, I just want to tell people, you have so much passion, and I love where you stand on issues, and I'm I'm honored to have you as a friend. Okay, well, let's pass the amendment at the main legislation. Okay. For sure, okay? <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, thanks uh, again, Brad, for joining us. Uh, thanks, folks. This is Ed Fallon, your host. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we've got more conversation for you here on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Market and Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Lipsham is committed to the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark says no matter how you plan or renovate your project, use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. A beautiful project will be revered, maintained, and valued, and is the best investment you can make for a future we all share. Learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. Back to the Fallon Forum. You know, at a time when big corporations control most of the media, our niche here is more important than ever. So please support what we do. Go to the Fallon Forum website, donate, or even better, become a monthly sponsor. And speaking of sponsors, thanks to Architecture by Synthesis, owner Mark Clipsham says that no matter how you plan or renovate your project, please use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest long-lasting materials available. That's Architecture by Synthesis. All right, so, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my time, my life in Ireland. Uh, it's where I, I first started going there when I was eight years old, spent um, parts of every other summer on the farm with my grandparents and my uncles. 
And uh, I tell you, uh, fairies have been a part of my experience uh, since, um, since that age. Uh, I remember seeing a photograph of my uncles when they were, you know, four, five, six, seven years old, and they were wearing dresses. And I was really curious about why, and I learned that the Irish would dress baby boys in dresses to make them appear to appear to make the fairies think they were girls because the fairies would come and snatch little boys and drag them underground and uh you try to avoid doing that by by fooling the fairies hey this isn't a boy it's a girl he's got she's got a, he's got a, she's got a dress on and it's it's a it's, it sounds like crazy talk and and of course i think that's where our word for fairy comes from but um <laughs> I remember seeing that photograph. I wanted that photograph. And my, my grandmother, I think, intentionally uh, hid it from me. But I distinctly remember seeing my uncles wearing dresses. So, you know, what else? I was out on the bog one day with my uncle. I was probably 11, I think, maybe 13. And uh, what we would call a dust devil came along. In Ireland, they are called fairy breezes. And so this little dust devil took my hat off my head the, the dust devil came right through me, grabbed my hat, and tossed it to the other side of the bog, maybe 50 or more yards away. And my Uncle Tom was laughing hysterically and slapping his knees, saying, Ah, be jay, ah, be jason, the, fairies, the fairies have come for you. The fairies have come for you. And in his mind, and he couldn't stop laughing for a while, he was sure that, you know, it, it, at least... Um, I'm not, I'm not sure he really believed they were coming after me. I was too old at that point. But uh, there was my hat gone by a fairy breeze. Clearly, they were after me. I also remember um, uh, cousins of mine talking about fairy bushes. I, I had, uh, there, were, there were families that would meticulously cut down any tree that grew on their property. So I wondered why was, why was this one tree on my, on my cousin's property? Well, because that was a fairy bush. And there were also always hawthorn trees for some reason. And they were often in a line. So if, over the course of a quarter of a mile, if you look down the, down, the, uh, down the field, you'd see these three trees, hawthorn trees, all old, all left to be because they were fairy bushes. Anyway, it, it was such a fascinating uh, world to grow up in. And then I had to battle these dang fairies uh, when I decided to, well, I talked my dad into uh, planting trees on the family farm. And uh, I thought that would be pretty easy because the, the Irish government and the European Union were pretty excited about converting marginal pasture land to forest. And uh, it, was, it would have been a lot easier if we did not have a fairy fort on our property. A fairy fort is an ancient enclosure built by a pre-Celtic people. Uh, and basically what's left is maybe the, the, outs the, the, the outline of a ring of stones under the soil. Uh, that has been buried so long that it's barely visible. But you can see this fairy fort uh, more, very clearly from the air. But because of that fairy fort, the Irish Historical Society uh, wanted to deny the planting of this tree plantation, even though there were trees growing up in the fairy fort. So it was a long battle. Uh, I had to involve uh, local members of the, uh, of the Irish uh, government and uh, we did eventually get most of the land planted. The compromise was to exclude some of the fields uh, right, as clo right, right close to the ferry fort. But we got it planted eventually, but it was such, uh, so many delays because of fairies. So to me, fairies are very real because they've been, they've been trying to steal my hat. Yeah, they've been making my, my uncles wear dresses, and they've been trying to prevent me from planting trees. Uh, <laughs> so 
Fascinating. Anyway, I want to switch from fairies to fracking. Uh, this is a, a more current and uh, an undeniably real situation. There's an Australian company called Temborin Resources, and they're still mucking about in Australia, causing lots of trouble there. But they were awarded a this is back in 2011, I believe. They were awarded a license to explore for gas deposits in the Midlands of Ireland. And again, county my, where my family is from, Roscommon, is the neighboring county to County Leitrim, where Tamboran wanted to explore for gas. And uh, that happened without any public knowledge. People were not even aware this was going on. And... Uh, you know, the people who were affected by this poll, once they learned about it, they were like, oh, no, this is not good. And, uh, the, you know, the, the company had already began to launch a, a PR campaign, surprise, surprise, focused on jobs and the economy. That's what they always do, right? It's always about jobs and money. So the local people who were opposed to this started their own public education campaign, uh, and there were some fairly interesting things happening. They, they, they started a, a mobile cinema tour of uh, Josh, Fo Josh Fox's film uh, Gasland, which uh, we had jo Josh Fox here in Des Moines a few years ago to showcase that film. And uh, every time it was shown, there was an opportunity after the film for Q&A, as we did here in Des Moines. And, um, and there was also, they also connected to another Irish community who were fighting a shell oil pipeline and gas refinery in a little town called Rossport. Um, that's in County Mayo, also in one of the areas of Ireland that is more poor. And um, yeah, so they, they started building that connection. And then out of that tour grew an anti-fracking movement called Love Leitrim, which is a great name. It's not like one of these 10 word names, the, the blah, 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 blah campaign to blah, blah, stop fracking, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, that just, that gets really tedious, but Love Leitrim, that is a great name. So um, key to the whole movement was emphasizing all the wonderful things about living in Leitrim, about the, uh, the land itself, about the, the, the villages. Um, uh, the publicity called it, quote, a vibrant, creative, inclusive, and diverse community. And Love Leitrim began to challenge the uh, assumptions that Tim Bourne was making about their fracking project. One of those was that Leitrim was a marginal place. Uh, you know, we got to have this gas. We got to have it somewhere. You know, we're not going to displace too many people. Leitrim's kind of marginal, poor part of the, poor, poor part of the country, kind of like Rossport. Um, so the local people had to fight that. And uh, they fought that by showing that there was a lot of great things about Leitrim that didn't need to be sacrificed for this particular corporation's benefit. They also, this was interesting, they also became... It, it wasn't just about, here's why we, you know, support us, we're fighting fracking. It was about the, the volunteers involved with Love Leitrim beginning to support other things in the community. Uh, they, um, they became involved in markets, uh, farmer's markets, uh, uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade, of course. And um, they also volunteered at uh, fun runs, uh, bake sales, <laughs> Uh, and 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 then they say they started building up more community support that way. So, you know, and they also organized their own street. Uh, it was called a Street Feast World Cafe, I believe. I believe I have the right name there. And that was um, during uh, during a bigger community festival. And um, they kind of just allowed them to really get their vision out there, while while showing their own support for other things that were also important 
in the community. And they also, of course, used culture, which we all like to do when we're, when we're involved in a cause that's important. Uh, they, they worked with musicians, artists, uh, local celebrities to, to kind of uh, begin to get the, the uh, message out there that fracking was not something that was wanted in their local community. And, um, and that, was, uh, that was important throughout, but it, it, it became particularly important in 2016, and maybe that date might be familiar to some people. That was the 100th anniversary of the Easter Rising. And that, of course, eventually led to the independence of 26 of the 32 counties from Great Britain in 2022. So they built these networks. They reached out to other frontline communities around the world, including the uh, Standing Rock Sioux fighting the Dakota Access Pipeline. And... Uh, and perhaps the uh, most significant guest speaker they had, according to the story I'm reading here in uh, Waging Nonviolence, a Canadian activist named Jessica Ernst. Uh, she was a former gas industry engineer, and suddenly she found herself battling the fracking, fracking industry on her own land. So she's, she became an important spokesperson for why fracking is a bad idea. Um, so they reached out beyond their own local community, and... Uh, began to kind of make those connections nationally. Uh, they, you know, again, they, they, they tried to frame it as more than, they tried to push back against the, the big oil's narrative, this is about jobs, this is about frack, this is about the economy. And they tried to push back against that through concerns about public health, concerns about the vibrancy of, the, um, of Leacham's culture, land, communities. And... Um, that had an impact on the Irish Environmental Protection Agency, which had ignored those concerns earlier on. And they amended a report about the proposed uh, fracking uh, to include those concerns. And that was a big step forward. That was a very big step forward. Uh, again, lots of creative events happening. Farmers held a tractorcade, uh, which was interestingly organized not so much online, but by word of mouth, knocking on doors, phone calls. I love that. Uh, and Tamborin was allowed to and began to do one uh, test, well, test well in 2014. They, they made one attempt at drilling a well. But community uh, mobilizing to, you know, to prevent that from happening, it, it worked. They, they, they stopped the well from being uh, uh, drilled, and they won a legal battle uh, that, um, that led, you know, led to... Uh, led to what eventually became a national ban on fracking. Now, again, they had some success locally. There was one, one pro-fracking politician who got beat. And uh, it was also important that they worked across party lines. Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, uh, Sinn Féin, all those different parties were a part of the uh, effort to um, do They were all approached. And so, I mean, a lot of it happened, too, at the grassroots level, making sure that... Uh, that uh, planks were included in the Irish equivalent of party platforms. And so um, when it came time for the vote, uh, yeah, they, as I'm reading this, it looks like the Irish parliament, called the Doyle, uh, supported uh, the ban on fracking unanimously, which is crazy successful. That is so good. And so, yeah, this is done. They're not going to frack in the Midlands of Ireland. Um, so I think to me that, you know, the, 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 the critical question here is, um, why is there so much fracking in the U.S.? You know, despite all these 
examples of water contamination, despite all these examples of our land being destroyed, of lives being affected, of people being made sick. Why is that all? Why is that happening? Where in Ireland it succeeded, they succeeded at defeating it. You know, and I guess even more specifically, why do some efforts to take people's land for fossil fuel expansion succeed and others fail? Why was Keystone XL defeated and yet big oil was able to not only build dapple but expanded by doubling the flow of oil these are really good questions we're going to talk more about these in the future but for now folks go out and celebrate saint patrick's day and do it with style and to talk about style and go and moving beyond green beer kathy burns will join me at the next seg seg segment of this conversation and we'll talk about that back in a minute on the fallon forum Fracking is a form of natural gas drilling, an alternative to oil, because the oil caps fill and bring it jobs to small towns. So everybody's willing, people turn on the lights and the drillers make a killing. Water goes into the pipe, the pipe into the ground. The pressure cranes fish is 7,000 feet down. The cracks release the gas that powers your town. That will frack, yeah, totally frack. But there's more in the water than just H2O. Toxic chemicals help to make the fluid flow. With names like benzene and formaldehyde, you better keep them far away from the water supply. The drillers say the fishes are a mile below. The groundwater pumped into American homes, but don't tell it to the residents of Subluayo, that water's frack. We're talking fancy. What the frack is going on with all this fracking going on? I think we need some facts to come to light. I know we want our energy, but nothing never comes for free. I think my water's on fire Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, including psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. If you live in Iowa, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy 
of televideo counseling offered on a self-pay basis. Contact DavidDrakeFamilyPsychiatry.com. And thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. All right, Kathy Burns is with me, and it's uh, St. Patrick's Day week, and we're going to be talking about why green beer is a monstrosity, and also <laughs> about about Irish food. Yeah, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, some some of the ugly is what is served in the U.S. that is <laughs> passing itself off as Irish food. But uh, some of the foods that are served here in the U.S. that are not traditionally Irish, let's start with corned beef and cabbage. Yes, please. The reason it's not Irish is there's no corned beef. I've <laughs> no, never, never seen corned beef in Ireland. Bacon, yes, uh, but, boiled bacon. But when people came over many years ago and they wanted something that tasted like their bacon and cabbage dish, uh, the, the Irish bacon is also not like American bacon. It's the European version. But the corned beef was maybe maybe something they could find that they could use. At least place. there were potatoes here, thank God. Oh, hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah. And plenty of cabbage. Another food that is not traditionally Irish is shepherd's pie. Although, you know, we're going to serve it um, for an, an Irish music gathering. We're going to serve yeah. it to the musicians. But it's Scottish in origin. Yeah, and despite that, I love it. It's not, And it's not actually made from shepherds. <laughs> no. Well, it's made from sheep. If you're, if you're making shepherd's pie and you're making with it with any meat besides lamb, you are not making it in any way that Irish would. And it's usually uh, only offered at pubs that cater yeah. mostly to Americans and <laughs> people who think it's Irish. So um, those well, are some foods. Yeah, what about Irish coffee? That's one that you hear people talk about all the time. Well, I had my first Irish coffee not, not very long ago because I'm not a big whiskey girl. But, <laughs> but um, uh, in America, the Irish coffee is often made with the hot coffee and the Irish cream. Right. Kind of liqueur, but that is not no. that is not Irish. So um, we know because your mom gave us a kitchen towel some years ago that has some Irish recipes on right. it, and I checked some other sources. So the real Irish coffee is just um, some Irish whiskey in a warm glass, and then you add your hot coffee, you add a couple lumps of sugar, and you top it off with just simply some heavy cream, and you don't stir mm. it. Don't you know, stir I don't, that. Don't. Yeah, don't, don't I'm do not it. a coffee fan, and whiskey is kind of a minimal contributor to my. Uh, to my, my life. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I very, very rarely we're, have whiskey. We're similar that way. I'm not sure I would like that. I well, sure love Irish tea. I think you tasted my Irish coffee at the at the pub that we were at and, again, didn't like it. And right. I thought it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. But, yeah, there's a, in the bottom line, there's a big difference between the American version of, quote, Irish coffee and the actual version in Ireland. And, again, most Irish pubs are only going to serve that um, if they're real touristy. Yeah. So I wouldn't go into any old pub and ask for it. All right. They might look at you funny. Killian's Irish Red Beer. This is this is interesting because I know somebody who used to work for Coors, and I what this Killian's is a Coors product. Yes, it oh, is. But but it has a, Irish roots. Okay, it has Irish <laughs> roots. So this is according to my source, uh, who is unnamed, a former Coors employee. I'm going to quote: George Killian Letts Brewery in Enniscorthy, Ireland. Enniscorthy, Ireland. Excuse me was shuttered many years ago when the giant brewery of Ireland, I think he means Guinness. <laughs> Maybe, yes, probably. Um, drove so many small brewers out of business. But George continued to renew his brewer's license, which maintained his trademark. He eventually licensed Pelfrith Brewery in France to brew his recipe, then Coors in America 
uh, took the recipe and started brewing mm. it as Killian's Irish Red. Um, unfortunately, modern day Killian's is not his recipe, George's recipe. It's now brewed as a lager, not yeah. the original ale. And if it is the, if, if a giant brewery is, is a reference to Guinness, Guinness is owned by the English. It was <laughs> so. originally a, a Dublin based <laughs> sure. beer, though, right, but it yeah. is correct. Yeah, it is yeah. owned by the English. And okay. Now, yeah, and so um, which brings us, I think, to green beer. Speaking of beer. Yeah, green beer. Don't. don't I just don't. don't. No, don't. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. There's no need for that. It, it's, it's a waste. Gross. It, it's it's food coloring. You don't you don't need that in your system anyhow. And, and if you go to a pretty authentic Irish pub here in the Des Moines area, it's in Beaverdale actually, Cooney's. They even have a sign up that says something like, you know, we don't have green beer. Don't ask for it. <laughs> don't even. Yeah. You know, no matter what the occasion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so um. Yeah. Uh, anything else on beverages, can One more. Irish car bombs. Oh, gosh. What a horrible oh, thing. People in, in the U.S. think that's a fun thing, a shot oh. of whiskey in your beer. No. Don't, no. don't do it. Ed, you know a little yeah. more about why. Well, I mean, it just... It, yeah, I'm so glad that what was the IRA has in, has evolved into a political front called Sinn Féin, and they, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing fairly well, considering they're a fairly new political party, but... You know, the IRA did some horrible things. I mean, mm-hmm. not that the Ulster forces on the other side didn't do horrible things. It was just, it was, you know, and I first experienced that at a very young age. Again, when I was eight, we, that was our first trip to Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom saw, my mom, my mom saw a murder. She saw, mm-hmm. she saw it. And um, she was so upset. We had to stop the car, call the police. It was, it was a, it was traumatic for all of us. Um, and then uh, in, you know, uh, years later, um, 20 minutes after my dad left the bank in the town near us, uh, two members of the IRA came in to steal money mm-hmm. and shot two local boys who were mm-hmm. detectives. And that, that experience was also very traumatic. Um, probably the most traumatic for me was I made, I made friends with a couple guys named Jerry. Uh, from One was Jerry from Derry. The other <laughs> was Jerry McGurk. From, uh, and if you're, if you're in front of your computer, look up McGurk's Pub. Uh, that was, um, there's a Wikipedia page about it. It was a significant moment of the uh, Troubles where the pub was blown up and mm-hmm. his, a uh, couple of his family members were killed. I think his mother and his sister. And uh, really nice guy. Um, and uh, that was a lot to deal with. So, you know, I, you know Irish car bomb. But that's the name. There were car bombs common, oh, yeah, commonly were. used. And that's, that's yeah. got to be kind of. And actually, that I can't remember now, but McGurk's pub might have involved a car bomb. I can't remember mm-hmm. for sure how that, what, the, what, what, what blew that up. But, you know, come on. Um, talk about politically, you know, incorrect and mm-hmm. insensitive. It, like, I, don't, I can't think of a, of a beverage more inappropriately named than Irish car bomb. Best so. not to order it in the U.S., but especially, especially don't order so it. So drink plenty of Guinness, yeah. even though it's now owned by, uh, <laughs> by England. Um, don't drink green beer. Don't drink Irish car bombs. <laughs> no. But, Ed, you mentioned potatoes, and, and yes, that's very traditional, and we grow a lot of potatoes, but you have good memories of potatoes. We have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, the one other drink I'd mentioned, oh. black and tan, uh, that's a reference to, black and tan is what, half Smithix, half Guinness, I think? I believe. And it's a reference to the, um, the, the kind of sub- subversive police force that the British unleashed upon the Irish early in the 20th century Ooh. who wore black and tans. It was so, I remember uh, my, uh, let's see, my, my grandmother must have told me this where you were, you were warned as a kid to go to bed or the black and tans would get you. Yikes. <laughs> so, but 
The drink, okay, I'm okay with that. It's not blowing something up, at least. Hey, uh, Kathy, thanks for joining us. You bet, and happy St. Patrick's Day. Eat plenty of potatoes. I will. You know I will. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks again to uh, Brad Zahn, my guest this week, State Senator Brad Zahn, and to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks also to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Western Optometry, and Dr. David Drake Family Psychiatry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for, for providing our bumper music. We'll be back next week again, folks, with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio. Music